Welcome to Perfectly Imperfect with Beautiful Disaster. These are the stories of our tribe. They are important, powerful, and will undoubtedly change you. Okay, I believe we are live and broadcasting to the Beautiful Disaster tribe. We are so honored and privileged to have you with us, uh, Darius. I'm just going to give you a little quick introduction so the tribe knows who you are. Uh, Darius has worked in television and media for over 30 years. She's a two-time Emmy award-winning TV host and interviewer with multiple Emmy nominations and a Golden Quill nominee. Uh, you spent 25 years as a TV news anchor for WPXI in Pittsburgh. You're a life and business coach. You're an author. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And um, Darius, you are here because you were a victim of, of what you call digital domestic violence. And before we went live, we were we were starting to get into a conversation of um, why we feel this is so important to talk about for the Beautiful Disaster Tribe. So uh, before I go on any further, please say hello to the Beautiful Disaster Tribe. I am so delighted to be here with you all this morning or afternoon, depending on where you are watching us from and grateful that you asked me to be here. Thank you. Oh, you're, you're so very welcome. Um, we have a lot of women in the Beautiful Disaster Tribe who uh, were victims of domestic violence. Some of them are still victims of domestic violence. Um, we have people in the tribe who are in toxic relationships and maybe haven't found their way out just yet. And um, your topic that we're gonna be discussing today of digital domestic violence is um, necessary and important and I would like to ask everybody in the tribe, um, you know, if you're going through anything, listen for the similarities, not the differences. Um, just because we're going to be talking about digital domestic violence doesn't mean that you can't apply some of Darius' uh, advice and expertise and tips. So, Darius, let's kick this off with telling us what is digital domestic violence? Yeah, and that's by no means... Uh lessens the degree of violence that someone experiences in what we know traditionally as domestic violence, whether that domestic violence includes physical violence, emotional, mental, we know it can run the gamut. And I refer to what I experienced, which is more often called in the media revenge porn or cybersexual assault as digital domestic violence. And here's why, it's because it extends in most cases from a relationship gone bad where the perpetrator finds ways online through digital media, through social media, what have you, to continue to harm or inflict harm on someone, which could look like negative posting. Uh, it could look like uh, sharing intimate photos or videos, which is what happened to me. Um, it could look like a variety of different things. And we see it happening so often these days. So. You know, unfortunately, this crime has a lot of different names, non-consensual pornography, revenge porn, cybersexual assault, sextortion, what I call digital domestic violence, cyber rape. It's all the same thing. It's when someone takes intimate photos, videos, information, and puts it online with the intent to do harm. Mm. 
In my case, it happened without my knowledge. I was living with an ex-boyfriend out of the country in Jamaica, and he had been secretly taking photos and videos of me naked while I was asleep. Yeah, while you were sleeping. Oh, my God. Yeah. How long did... How long did that go on? Like, how long was he taking advantage of you without you knowing with these photos? Yeah, it was a period of just a couple of months that I can go back and look at based on the photos and the videos that he sent to me and that he ultimately put up at a website. I can remember some of the the pictures at different times and different locations at different hotels in Jamaica. Um, So he had been had been doing this, but we were in a relationship. And you know, this was someone that I dated when I was 19 years old. And many, many years later, after I'd been married and divorced, we got into a relationship. Uh, I moved to Jamaica. I was living back and forth and working because uh, I can travel extensively and work. Okay. And within a relatively short period of time, I started seeing signs. And the signs mm-hmm. were um, very controlling language and trying to be very controlling of my time and where I was. And, you know, I would leave a lot. And if I wasn't answering the phone or if I wasn't responding to him quickly, it would send him into these violent rages. Mm. And that was enough for me to say, I'm out. I'm I'm seeing the sign. He was never physically violent, but I'm I'm seeing enough signs where I don't even want this as a relationship. Right. I'm not so sure if he also saw that that was coming. And so at some point, that's when I begin, I believe he began filming and taking the photos. And yeah, it's almost, it's almost like maybe if he sensed that he was going to lose you or that you were going to leave, he started to uh, build up his ammo. And that's what, unfortunately, I see happening for in a lot of instances like this. Typically, when it's this personal, it's because someone has rejected someone. And so in that rejection, it breeds their obsession. Uh, It's another form of control, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to put this out and shame and embarrass and humiliate you if you don't stay or come back to the, which is what he was saying to me. If I didn't come back to the relationship, he threatened to put this out. And he would, every time he wanted me to call him back, he would send me a different photo. This is going out on Instagram. This is going out on WhatsApp. So it was, that went on for a couple of months until he actually put up a website and with my name in the URL. And so if you Googled me, the website would come up and the photos and the videos would be there along with harassing memes and all kinds of lies and distortions about me and, mm. and the work that I do. And, and I guess I should mention because you're the, the, the women in this tribe that, you know, probably don't know my backstory, but, yeah. but having spent 30 years on television and another 10 years building a, company online working with other people to help them use their voice in their projects and you know create visibility for the work that they do i had a lot on the line and he knew that and he said over and over again i will silence and destroy you i will destroy your celebrity and your credibility and all that you work for and you can imagine if you google your name and you see naked photos and videos if you think my clients are seeing me this way right my fans in pittsburgh so there was a lot of emotional stress and strain and humiliation and embarrassment around this. Jeez. Take us back to um, that phone call that you received from your ex-husband, who was really the one who alerted you that this even existed. I, I, I believe I, I saw that you were preparing to go on stage and you get this phone call. So take take us to that moment. Yeah, so I'll back that up a little bit just to, to put it into context. Um, on 
January 1st, 2017 is when I got the first phone call from him because I'd ended the relationship several months ago and I just thought we ended peacefully. Right. He had a phone call and in the phone call he said, I will stab you in your heart and shoot you in your head if you don't return to this relationship. And so that threat, of course, left me feeling very afraid. And my conversation with him was, leave me alone. It's over. Stop. I don't want this. And And at that point, sorry to interrupt you, but at that point, did you get any authorities involved? I I know that's a struggle because you're in a he's in a different country. But when it really started to threaten your life, you know, did you get any did, did you start there? Yeah, no, I didn't. And in fact, I thought I could talk him down and I mm-hmm. thought I could just keep him at bay and, you know, appease him, so to speak. Right. I knew I wasn't going back. So as much as I felt like his threat was very scary, the what what felt even worse was his continuous threat saying, and if I don't do it, I'll find someone who will. So right. of course, at that point, I was still somewhat concerned, but it was about two weeks later that I get the first text message, a WhatsApp message actually, that had a video, about a minute long video, that he paid somebody to string all of these photos and videos together. And of course, I picked up the phone then and called him back. And every time he wanted my attention, he would send me something. And of course, I would say, begging him not to do it. Right. To move that forward, that went on for about two and a half months. And then in March of that year, Uh, I was set to go out on stage and I get a phone call from my ex-husband who said, I just got a phone call from someone who told me to go to this website. And now I'm looking at all of these explicit photos and videos of you. What is going on? So you, you, you were, you got this phone call out of the clear blue sky. I mean, can you even remember how you felt? Oh my God. I mean, I, I, to this day, I can still remember my stomach in knots. I mean, you know, who wants to hear from their ex-husband that he's looking at you and your private parts, which he would certainly know sure. on a website and that someone else called him and literally walked him to it. And, you know, his first concern was what is going on? What, who is this and why is this happening to you? And is our son safe? Right. Because he also made a lot of threats against my son. And so, you know, of course, now I'm thinking, oh, my God, it's out here. People are, who else has he called? And, you know, I go, then he sends me a text message and says, now take a look at this website. And immediately I pull the website up. Now I know it's out there for the world to see. Oh, God. And how I felt was, I don't even know. I think I was there. I know I was there to talk about my book and, and, working with other clients. And I, I don't even know what I said. Honestly, it was, it was too late for me not to go out. I was just going to say what, like, did you, did you, you went out there and you just, I did it. Um, and I, and my stomach was in knots and I, I was just on the edge of crying and, and, oh. and anger. And, um, you know, I, and, and all I kept thinking is now who else is, who else is seeing this? I mean, of course. you know, thankfully my ex-husband called me immediately, but I had no idea who else had seen it up until that point. So I can remember getting into the car and just losing it. I cried my eyes out. I was, I was just like, I can't believe he would do this. And he told me he was going to put a website up. And so now I kept thinking, what else is he doing that he had already threatened to be doing? Right. Yeah. If he executed on that threat, what else is coming? Right. 
Right. And and it leaves you feeling so blind. It's like he was using his cell phone and the laptop as a weapon and the ammunition was my naked body. Yes. So, you know, that was that was really, really difficult. And at that time, you know, I knew I needed to first off, I needed to, to, to get some help. And um, right. at that point, I'd been trying to hold the silence all by myself. And, and because I was embarrassed, I didn't want anyone to know about it. I hadn't even told my mother about it. So yeah, I'm sure there was part of you that, you know, once you were, you got a little bit of clarity, you just wanted to figure out how to get rid of it. Like, I'm sure you I went to, wanted it to stop. And I didn't even want to invo- involve authorities because right. at that point I thought, well, if that happens, then it's going to get out there and more people Correct. will know. And I was right. really concerned about my celebrity and credibility in Pittsburgh, sure. which is where I was. And, and I knew I had to contact the authorities there. And right. so, um, but I first needed to tell my son because yeah. he did not know. And he had also been making threats to publish flyers on his college campus. Oh with my gosh. And because the website was up, I just thought this is the next step. He's yep. probably getting ready to do this. And, you know, my son was playing football and it, it had, you know, his college foot, you know, Vandy football mom and all these photos. And he's, he's sending it to me telling me this is, I'm going to have this circulated on campus. My son had nothing to do with this. Oh my gosh. And so I, of course, found the courage to tell him. And um, I was most concerned. I did not want my son to feel angry and bitter and, um, or like I would assume most males would feel very protective and want to retaliate against right. him for hurting his mom. Yes. And so my son just, you know, he just simply said, mom, listen, I, I know this is tough, but you're going to get through this. You, you yeah. are so strong. You taught me to be strong, be strong. And then he said, and besides mom, he chose the wrong woman to mess with. Mm. And those words were so liberating to me because up until that point, I felt so victimized. I yeah. felt like I, I had no resources or I couldn't think clearly. And, right. and immediately it felt like I had grown wings. It was like, yeah, you're right. I mean, I've got a 30 year news career. I've published yeah. a book and won Emmys and you know, have amazing coaching clients around the world. I can do anything I put my mind to, like get out of this victim mode. He reminded you who you were. Yes. And that was, he reminded me of who I am, but this is what changed it for me is I asked myself because who I was, was not getting through this, but I asked myself, then who do you need to become now? Right. And that was such a powerful question. Yes. That is powerful. Yeah. So, So what did you, what do you do? What, what can you do to try to undo what was done? Well, so I knew that I I obviously needed to get help. So at that point I could think clearly enough to say, okay, then who do you need to become? What steps do you need to take? You know, I knew I needed some emotional healing and some therapy because it was, you know, emotionally bad. And so I began those pieces, um, got stronger in meditation and faith and journaling uh, did eventually contact an attorney. And then it became this process of now going through legal means to yeah. try and get the website shut down because Google and GoDaddy were telling me that I needed a court order in order to have it shut down. So 
that was an 11 month saga and drama, 13 trips to the courthouse just to get the judge to give me the language to give to GoDaddy and Google to shut the website down. Fortunately, I used something in the interim called a DMCA takedown notice, Digital Millennial Copyright Act, and that was able to shut it down. Mm. But I still wanted the language in case he put it back up and that I didn't have to keep going back to court and spending all the money and time in court. And, and did I, you talk to him at all? It, like after this? Okay, so it wasn't it. You, you no. But he continued to try to get. He continued to to threaten me even when I had, had a PFA. Yeah, he was relentless. It was. This is why I call it digital domestic violence. I mean, he was relentless, right. and it went on. It was as if he was lashing out over the internet at yeah. any chance that he could, yes. because he couldn't physically put his hands on me. So this was his way of putting his hands on me, so to wow. speak. So the court was one drama and saga, but you know, I in that whole question, who do I need to become now? I, I honestly heard it was as if God was speaking to me, and I heard film a documentary and you know document this, tell your story. And now I do have a thirty-year career in television, and but making a documentary is not doing the evening news. Right. <laughs> must be right. very. And but let's, I'm going to pause you really quick because there's there's so much substance in that decision to break your silence. Mm-hmm. You know, you you could tell your son, you could go to court, you can go to therapy, you can work on you, you can work on taking this down. But that's a big decision to break your silence and tell your story. Um, talk a little bit about that. Like what 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 happened for you to just go, you know what? I need to share this with other women and, and other people in general. It was at that time where I, I heard film a documentary. Now, the interesting thing was it wasn't so much the work that went into doing it, which is another story because that's a two year story. And now I'm happy to say that it's a finished product. But what it was, was the freedom for me to tell my story. It was yeah. it was what I it was the license for me to get out ahead of it. And what I had decided in that moment afterwards was I am taking my power back. Yes. And the way that I'm doing this is ending my silence. So I literally called the news station that I used to anchor the news for in Pittsburgh and had to tell my former boss what was going on and said, can I break my story? Yes. I was, I didn't know what he would say. I, I, you know, he could have simply said no. And he said, absolutely. You have our support. I flew back to Pittsburgh and uh, came and got a camera crew together so that I could literally start documenting all of my time, not only telling my story, but the the, the many other brave women who shared their stories with me. Right. And that really kicked off the filming of the documentary. But wow. the reason that I did it was I wanted to get out in front of it. Yes. I knew that if I got out in front of it, I could take my power back. He yes. had nothing else to say. I told right. the story. Right. I, I, right. I took it back and said, this is what he did. And as a matter of fact, here are some of the photos, even though we blurred them out. So the minute I took that back, I yeah. felt so I felt so empowered, and there was nothing else he could hold over me. I right. did what he said he was going to do, but I did it my way. And checkmate. Yeah, checkmate. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 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 what I discovered though, and I think this is what was so liberating about finding my voice and ending my silence was that I was giving other women permission to do the same. And yes. when my the story started airing, 
on Dr. Oz, on the Today Show, and various places in magazines. I was getting flooded with phone calls from other people who were saying, oh my God, this happened to me. I'm yeah. not alone. Right. So we were literally able to ban, just like you all do here, which is why I love, love, love this community and love what you're doing, is because there's something to be said about banding together. And even yeah. if you can't find the strength to share your story publicly, and not everyone can or even desires to do it, it's being in community with other people who know it so you don't feel like you're alone and you're isolated yes. in your silence. Yes, yes, you have a support system. Um, you speak in your TED Talk about some, some, obviously you began to do research, and um, I want you to talk about the statistics of, of this frequency, because when I saw the statistics, I was taken aback at just how often this really does happen. So can you share that with our audience? Yeah, and, and even since the TED Talk, the statistics have changed, but it's, it's, it's really more of an epidemic than most people realize. And particularly for people between the ages of 18 and 40, um, I'm not, I think it's primarily because so many people in that age range these days are engaging in consensual relationships where they are in fact sharing nudes or sharing yeah. photos or videos, right. assuming they're in a safe relationship and that that's fair game. And then the right. person uses it right. to exact revenge or retaliation. And so we see higher incidence of that, but you know, it, it then it was like one in one out, one out of every 10 people, I think it was. And so it, it has spiked it's spiking in some instances. We're seeing it often. I think there are probably even more incidents because people are afraid to talk about it. And yeah. I mean, oh, nobody. Yeah. Right. You know, especially when they have consented to the images. Yeah. Because the next issue arises, which is victim shaming and victim blaming, and people pointing the finger at the person saying, Well, then why did you do that? Why right. would you share it? And you know, I, I'm, I don't get in the middle of that debate. What people decide to do in, behind closed doors is what they decide to do behind closed doors. But that's not where the fingers should be pointed. We should be pointing the finger at the person who takes the content yeah. and uses it with the intent to do harm. That's right. That's intent. one of it. And then we also need to be holding these social media uh, companies as well as website companies responsible for acting quickly to have it removed. You should yeah. not have to go to court for 11 months. Nobody wants their naked no. body for 11 seconds, let alone 11 months. So was a website the only place he posted it? Did he go onto social medias or was it specifically on a URL? It was on the URL, which he would update regularly. But again, when pictures are also posted, especially pictures, if when you Google, it it's a different caption. So when, if you were to Google my name, because he had my name attached to every picture, as right. well as the URL, who cares about the website? If you hit image, it was all of this fluttering right. of images and videos that were out there, which I had to have, you know, not only did I have to have the website shut down, but the yeah. images were cat. They were already out there. Then you right. got to get the images. Of course. Of yeah. course. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And um, and for so many other people, women, well, not just women, but women are primarily victimized by this, but, but children and even men, is the damage that's done. You know, it's like as soon as that photo or video is out there, it is out there and you don't know where it's going. And, know. you know, some women's images are sold to porn sites and their images are sold over and over and over again. And, you know, some women describe that as like cyber rape. 
Sure. So it's, it's, and the humiliation, you know, as much as physical abuse, obviously, as awful as it is, it, you know, if, if the, the emotional abuse that one goes through is always there across the board. Yeah. And so there is no difference in that. With physical abuse, if there's a scar, perhaps it will heal over time. Right. This type of abuse, if you can't get to it, it's out there and it yeah. just never seems to go away. It can continue to haunt you for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, you bring up a really good point about the consensual photos, but the non-consensual distribution thereafter. Right. I think that is a huge problem. I mean, Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, I mean, all these platforms where you can upload a photo for millions of people to see, even if it gets blocked. It, like you said, how many screenshots have been taken of it? Like, where does it end up now? Like it, have you had any issues with your images resurfing, resurfacing? I have not in that. I used to search for them regularly. Uh, and then I realized that that's assault and punishment uh, sure. to myself. And so I haven't searched uh, lately, but I did. I used to do it all the time, as sure. I'm sure a lot of victims do. And it just keeps you in the spin cycle. Right, right. Thinking, you know, oh, my God, if I find it, who else is going to be looking for right. it? And so, you know, it, there are removal guides. You know, we, I, and I'm sure we'll get to it, but I put up a website to help people because I, I couldn't figure out what to do. Right. You know, very early on. So I developed 50 shades of silence.com with, yes. you know, some ideas with removal guides and things that you can do. But, you know, depending on where it is, it makes it more challenging. If it's on social media, some social media companies are responding more quickly. Right. Um, it, some website companies don't respond at all. And so you need a DMCA takedown notice. If it's out on those porn websites, now we're talking about an entirely different situation. Right. You know, there are other people which in this space who are also working to, to help other women in the same space, which I'm so grateful for other communities that I've been able to connect with, um, you know, who help support in that process. But, but beyond that, what we also need are tougher laws. You yeah. know, we only have, um, civil misdemeanors in some cases in some states some states don't have anything so we're talking about maybe a $500 slap on the wrist shocking and we're really you know focused on having a federal uh, bill in place that would criminalize this on a federal level right right well it's because of women like you who broke your silence um that are making change and paving the way for others to be able to take their power back. So thank you for everything you've done for finding your voice, for breaking your own story, for being so brave. Um, I would like you to talk about some of the resources. And while you do that, I'm going to actually type it into our live chat. So the website was. It's 50, which is five O mm -hmm. shades of silence.com. So 50 shades of silence.com is, is a, is a, bit of a, uh, it's, it's a dream come true, essentially. Oh, you told me to bring props. So I guess I could. <laughs> yes, yes. 50 Shades um, of Silence. And so not only is this a website, but is this also the name of the documentary? It's the name of the documentary. And um, it's, of course, the trailer can be seen there. The documentary is screening in world in festivals uh, as we speak, which is really nice because now we can get it out uh, in that way. But the website also 
has resources uh, for victims. We've got seven steps if this happens to you, what you can do about it. You can also share your story if you've been impacted by it. We have a way that you can sign um, a petition that we're sending to Congress to support a federal bill. So that would be awesome if people could yeah. just simply sign it because we do want to, you know, obviously support a, a federal bill in place. Sure. And, you know, we, we st I staged a march and a rally uh, a year ago to begin collecting the signatures. And that was so significant because it was a culmination of me working with a few other women who have also been an right. active voice in this, but I was also able to interview some of those women um, and put them in the documentary. Yeah. So at the website, it's it's literally a compilation of all of those things. And so, how do we how do we watch the documentary? So right now, it's still in in film festivals. In fact, um, we just won best oh short documentary. Fantastic! <laughs> I mean, talk about how this makes you feel. I mean, what a uh, we commonly in the Beautiful Disaster Tribe talk about the Phoenix. Um, it's one of our our great symbols of beautiful disaster, but what an unbelievable ride. Like, you know, somebody that tried to reduce you to ashes and you are rising and and thriving. I mean, to go from what happened to you to holding that trophy, what an arc of just emotions and an incredible story. And I just praise you. I mean, oh, wow, for, for you to to take charge of that not only for yourself, but for the masses. Incredible. I mean, how does that feel? It feels so surreal in so many different ways because it truly is a long journey from yep. feeling so silenced and victimized and helpless right. and fighting through this for two years. I mean, even while I was filming, I was still going to court. I was still fighting this. And, um, you know, I ultimately, the piece that we haven't talked about uh, was, you know, this, my case, I won in Jamaica with the help of the Department of Homeland Security and the U.S. Embassy because I just would not give up. And I right. was so grateful that, um, you know, there was a Homeland Security officer who just happened to be reading my story on the front page of the newspaper in wow. Jamaica and picked up the phone, Googled, searched me out and asked me if he could help. And wow. up until that point, I wasn't getting any help from authorities in Jamaica. And so to think that I was, I went through all of that and all of the emotional pain personally was also filming. And now, you know, I have a, a documentary that is being accepted and winning awards in film festivals is, it, it is beyond believe, believable for me. But I can tell you that my faith has strengthened so much because I was not sure what, how I was going to do any of this, frankly. I mean, I was, I was really at this point of every single day just being in prayer, like, what's next? What do I do? Where do I go? Who do I turn to? Right. And what I was most conscious of is how can I be in service to other people? Because I felt like if I'm using my voice and my story and my platform and I've got skills, what is somebody else who's not feeling? So I couldn't, right. there was no, there was no option. There was no option to stop and no option to give up. And so, you know, to, to, to get to call myself a filmmaker as part of this um, and not just, you know, some people make films, but they make them about other people. I was making right. a film about my own yes. story, but the story of so many other women yes. is powerful to say the least. So to, to, 
hold this means so much. I mean, it's not even just about the film, but just the, the journey and the process along the way. So tell us, did they get him? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we had, I saved everything. And that's the one thing I tell anyone who contacts me is make sure you screenshot and save all evidence. Yeah. Don't share it and put it out there, but save it. So I was very good at sharing everything that I could. And the Jamaican authorities were saying to me, well, you will need to mail us your laptop and cell phone in order for us to extract the content from there to wow. even consider bringing charges against him. Now, wow. fortunately, Jamaica has a malicious communication act under their Cyber Crimes Act, which states if a person is found guilty of disseminating harmful uh, information using a cell phone or a laptop or a device, yep. you can bring charges up against them. No one had ever done that before. I was literally really? the first person who won a case under this law. Wow. And I brought it from outside of the, I was a US-based citizen bringing right. charges against a Jamaican citizen. Right. But the Homeland Security Officer, Tony Scott, who I'm so grateful for, was so instrumental in, in helping me out because he arranged for me to take my devices to a Homeland Security uh, office in the United States and have them yeah. extract the content, even though that felt like more victimization because now they had to look at all of this stuff, of but course. I knew they needed the, the content and the evidence. Uh, they were able to build their case with that. They were able to go look on the IP address and see every time that he yeah. would upload something to the website, even when he bought the URL. So yeah. they ended up arresting him and uh, charging him that was, it took us a year though to get to court. So he got arrested, he was out on bail, they put the case together. And in July, I had to fly to Jamaica and he pled guilty to three of the six charges that he faced. His sentencing was in November and he was sentenced to two years hard labor and a million dollars JA fine, uh, which, is, which is significant because like I said, here in the US, if, if a person is caught, States, it could just be a misdemeanor. It could be wow. a $500 fine. Wow. So does Jamaica have a better law than we do? I would say so. Wow. I would say that their language is so clear. Right. It governs the entire country. Obviously, Jamaica's smaller, but it, sure. it, it, it is more so of just like a federal law, right? Yeah. So Right. In each, if you were to look at the state statutes in each state, it all has different language. In fact, we call it so many different things, so we can't even get clear sure. on what to call this crime. Sure. And in some states, it's the person can only be prosecuted if they live in the state. But wow. the internet is international, so yeah. that's an old like throw yeah. that out and get more updated language. So yeah. the the every state has a different language and a different interpretation of what the crime is and how, uh, what constitutes it and therefore what the actual punishment would be. Wow, unbelievable. And you are continuing to advocate both on the storytelling side and awareness side and also on the legislature and on the law side. And when do you sleep? <laughs> and you made a, a documentary and I I can't I can't wait to watch it. I, I really can't. Um yeah. uh and in terms of you asked me the question about where and when to watch it. We yeah. as soon as we're done with Film Fest, I'm planning a big premiere in Pittsburgh, um, great. which you know, 
would is likely going to be May 6th. So I'm looking forward to that. And then my fingers are crossed that we get, the reason that we did the film festival route was to hopefully be attractive to a distribution with some right. kind of distribution. So whether that would be like a Netflix or um, Amazon or, or what have you, one of the streaming platforms, that would be great. And if not, then I'll have to look for ways to distribute it myself. Right. Um, but again, that's going down a path that I don't quite know. So I'll have to, um, Continue my prayers for <laughs> help and guidance when it comes. You, you will become who you need to be. That's right. <laughs> At that That's time, crazy. I love that. That was so powerful. You know, you kind of just said it because you experienced it, but that that's very profound that we can channel who we need to become in order to get through things. That's pretty fantastic. Tell me about, saying, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say that. It's really what I'd love to leave the women in this community with is, is among many things is that, you know, there is this, you know, we, we, we get victimized in some way. And when we continue to rehearse the, the feeling and the emotion and the crime and what happened, we stay there. And I get it because I was there and I was there for a long time. And the minute that I I was able to ask myself more empowering questions and start to feel a sense of relief and focus on that by choosing to become someone different because the woman that I had been was the victimized woman. And so right. I had to figure out who would she look like? What would she do? Who would right. she become in order to get through it? And that's the message that I really want, you know, the women in this community that is that you can choose in any moment, in any second, yeah. to be who you need to be to get through it. And and likely it's going to be someone who has found their everyday courage. And you may not know the answers and you may not know the steps, but you have to be in full intention daily with living into this new, yes. more positive version of yourself. Yes, fantastic. You just hit on my next question. Uh, tell us more about finding your everyday courage. Hmm. So I came up with that along the way um, where I really wanted to find a way where I could share a little piece every day, like just a little bit of something every day to help you find your courage, whether it's a great meditation or a positive quote or some way to encourage you to just get up and move your body, like something along the way that each day you can find yourself becoming stronger mm -hmm. through this process. So. Um, actually, and you can put this link in too, because sure. this is something that's free. And if, if the ladies would like to, to, uh, to experience it, it's called 30 days of everyday courage. So that's three. Oh, I don't know. I like numbers for some reason, but it's easier to type. I like yeah, it too. <laughs> 30 days of everyday courage.com. And you can go there and leave me your name and email address. And then each day I will just send you a little bit of a, an email with just little inspirational just something that you can do just to just to help you stay focused and motivated and and moving forward. Um, but, you know, it was really all about encouraging women to be brave, be bold and to be you and to, to find that woman because she's there. She might be covered in all of the mess. Yep. But we can turn our mess into our message or into our mission or to whatever's next. And it's really a choice. It absolutely is. Well, we've had a lot of comments coming in. So I want to go over to the comments now and um, just, do you see them, right? I can see them. Yeah. Okay. okay. So we've uh, just got a couple shout outs. So Lisa says, so sorry you went through this. 
how did you get the website down? So we we went over that and I provided a link. So if anybody wants to take a deeper dive into the resources that are available, um, you can go to the 50shadesofsilence.com, right? Mm -hmm, 50 Shades of Silence. And to quickly answer your question, I used what's called a DMCA takedown. And you literally can find that at dmca.com. Okay, fantastic. Uh, taking your power back, such a strong verse. Uh, Shelby, Shelby's actually the one who connected us. She said they just had a local arrest about a week ago in Wyoming Valley area in Pennsylvania for re revenge porn. So yeah, this is, I mean, this is something that's happening. I mean, I hadn't personally heard about it much and that's why I was so attracted to your story and to getting the message out there more because I mean, one in 10 women under 40, I mean, that is just, that's a pandemic. Yeah, no? it really is. And and again, those are for those people who are brave enough to report it. And, right. you know, we, we, we see incidents of cyberbullying and this being obviously more intimate uh, yeah. because of the use of photos and videos and things. But, you know, it's only in the last four, five, six years that it's even become a big issue. And if this is where it is now, can you imagine? Because we're not getting rid of our cell phones and our laptops. No. And you you talk about uh, in your TED talk the suicide rates when when yeah. when this is going on. I think you're. I think that I could totally be wrong, but I think it was like it was something crazy, like forty seven percent, or it was a very high number. Yeah, it's you just um, can't deal with the shame, and you take your own life. Yeah, and I have heard from many women who you know will send me an email and say, I was really at that lowest point where I, I just felt like I felt so hopeless. And, and, you know, I, because I can only, I, you know, obviously I understand that pain and that emotion. I never, it never crossed my mind to sure. take my life, but I have no judgment against someone who is in that darkness and that heaviness yeah. because I get it. And, uh, you know, it, to know that that people are making that choice. We see it happening with children with cyberbullying, right? And and victims of cyberbullying. This is no different. And I think, Absolutely. I think the reason that it feels also so bad is because we're always online. We're we're we're, we're constantly online. So that's our mode of operation. And so to think that people are online seeing you this way, you you it's hard to shut it down. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Kendra says, it's one thing to talk about change. It's a whole new level to make change. And that's exactly what you're doing. We have to love ourselves, embrace our self-worth. Know we are stronger after these tragedies that make us feel defeated and helpless. I'm in awe of your strength. God is amazing. When we step up and step out, we save lives, including our own. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Yes. And she also says she too is a survivor. She was on her deathbed in 2006 with 47 fractures and she wins because she survived and she's helping others by sharing her story. And that's how we heal. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. She's uh, a longtime beautiful disaster and uh, an honored member of this tribe. And you know, you and I have very similar missions. We're going about them in different ways, but it truly is uh, community and being a tribe, being a tribe of women who can be there to lift you up. You know, every day, same thing. We try to post something that gives you just 
confidence, self-acceptance, gives you that little dose of um, empowerment that you might need, you know, and, and we choose to do it by giving you a little bit of confidence hanging in your closet. We say that the beautiful disaster clothing line is something to be worn like a badge of honor because it does help get a message out, even if you're not ready to use your words and to use your voice to get that message out. So mm -hmm. we're, we're, we definitely are on um, similar paths. Um, but if we can close this off, I'd love for you to offer some advice to this tribe about, you know, finding their everyday courage. Um, I do encourage everybody to go to uh, 30 days of everyday courage.com and sign up so you can continue to get the courage from Darius. But what would you say to the tribe? You know, what's, what's today's everyday courage? Yeah. Um, well, first off again, thank you for having me and thank you for doing the work that you do. And the clothing line is amazing. I keep thinking that my, Doorbell is going to ring soon with my jacket that I can't wait to put on and wear proudly. I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of this community. So thank you. And thank you to the other brave women who shared a bit of their story and, and gave me such a warm welcome. So I, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I guess what I would, would share is that, you know, Sometimes we, when we're in the middle of going through something, and even years later, we, we look at it and we say, wow, that happened to me, right? Mm -hmm. And we look at it and, and we, it happened to me, which further victimizes us. And so I like to believe that this happened for me. Mm -hmm. And it happened for me to be of service to others because mm -hmm. I chose to use that and I chose to do something about it. Yeah. And even if you, anyone who's watching is in this space of feeling like this thing is happening to me or that happened to me. If you can turn it around and think about, well, maybe it happened for me. Maybe this is my chance to get stronger, share my story, tell other people, be a voice for others. Just call someone else or have an ear, whatever it is. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to write a book or make a movie or teach yeah. other people you know, how to get through, who knows? Yes. But there's something to be said about just changing the words to and for. Yes. And when we do that and giving ourselves permission to then follow whatever comes up, those nudges that may come up, those right. inspirations and staying in that can be so powerful. And it doesn't mean that you need to, you know, start a tribe or a community like this. It right. could just simply mean that you tell, saying someone else right. could be exactly what they need to hear that day. So, Absolutely. you know, switching it from it's happened for me or it's happening for me and looking for the positive and yeah. what you can use as a result of it being positive. Absolutely. You know, I've done um, hundreds of interviews. We have, uh, gosh, probably thousands of stories that have been sent to us. I engage, you know, all the time in the private groups and, and I'm really in tune with this tribe. And there is a common denominator always in every interview, in every story. And it was the gift that came from the pain. It is the silver lining that comes in these traumas. And while we can't wrap our heads around why exactly we have to go through some of these things, 
it is always true. There is a gift. It happens for you. It happens to you. And then there's a transition that comes and you can hopefully realize that it happened for you. And yeah. it, it, it's incredibly powerful. And it is the turning point. When you realize it happened for you and not to you is when you take your power back. It's exactly what happens. You know, when I'm working with my coaching clients on helping them develop their speeches and their stories, mm-hmm. and they, they, they're not quite sure, they can't quite see that it was their struggle and yeah. what they went through that is the gift, that is the story. Right. And the minute they're able to do that, it's like, whoa, the light bulb comes yeah. on. And they're more, they radiate more confidently and they're able to you know, go and tell the world and speak and do whatever it is that they wanna do. And it's like just knowing that that is your gift and it's, it's, it comes in sandpaper sometime and not- Right. <laughs> but it, it, can be, it can be so beautiful. And, and for me to be here now smiling about this is- Right truly, truly a testament to getting into that space of being about, you know, it being for you. Absolutely. And I think that's what I was trying to articulate when I was asking you, you know, about that arc of, you know, going through what you went through and then holding that trophy in your hand. It's like, you would never choose for that to happen to you again, but you probably wouldn't change it now. No. You know what I mean? Which is a hard concept to grasp but for for that to happen for you to catapult you to where you are now to have this voice to connect with these women to be of service to others and to pave the way for this much change it's it's crazy that such a beautiful gift came from something so horrific i often say it was for such a time as this yeah. It, was, it was the thing that I had to go through in order to evolve into this next best version. And, right. you know, I can remember one time I, I said, I will thank him one day. And I have, and I, and, and I do that with a sense of healing. Yes. Instead of continuing to be angry over it, it's like, yeah. no, nope, because now I get to help a whole lot of other people. Right. Thanks. Right. You know? Absolutely. Darius, absolutely incredible message that you were able to deliver to our tribe today. We are so thankful and so grateful. Um, you know, is there, are you on social media? Um, you know, I was going to say, anybody wants to connect with me, yeah. I'm on social media, Darius Chisholm. I'm on, you know, all of it, Instagram, oh. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. I've got a YouTube channel. You can go there and subscribe. Um, I also, um, Fifty Shades of Silence is also on social media, so you can you know check us out there. I, I tend to do more posting with, from me and, and the work that I do. So um, yeah, I'd love to, to connect and, and be of support and service in any way that I can. Fantastic. Well, thank you again so much uh, for honoring us with your uh, story and your voice and your message. And we are super glad to have you as an honorary member of the beautiful disaster tribe and you'll have to follow up with a picture of you when you when you get your jacket <laughs> i will i definitely will <laughs> thank you again so much and keep fighting the good fight thank you and you keep doing all of the beautiful work that you're doing i'm grateful thank you bye-bye bye-bye